Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm the pastor of Cedar College. If we haven't met, hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the land across the road. Um, I feel like we've missed an opportunity with it. Um, because we just call it the land across the road when we could have had a way cooler name for it. Like, um, I was thinking about this this morning, like something like Operation Canaan or um, <laughs> Taking Jericho. But we called it the land across the road, which is descriptive. We know what we're... Anyway. Uh, we're facing a vote today as a church to decide on something big, the land across the road. And it's so big that we know none of us can really understand the full implications of it. Um, as much diligent work has been invested into it, we're not able to predict the future, right? And that means that we've been praying for wisdom, for direction, for the sovereign Lord to move his hand. And that is a very, very good thing. Something so big, we know we can't do it. We need God to help. But that's not always the case for us. Sometimes we're not so aware of our limitations. It's usually in the smaller things, but it doesn't have to be in the smaller things. Problem comes up, and we just boldly press on without prayer. And if you're anything like me, you'll just crash into new tasks. I'm confident that I've got what it takes to pull off what's required. And we, we know that's not ideal. And today's text will show us why, but I'm praying it will also show us how to shift the way we think about every task in front of us. Let me pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, um, we rejoice that you are sovereign and you know everything. We know we're limited, and we know we often rush into things in our own strength. Right now, we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand your word. Please speak to us through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, Matthew 26, and the text we're looking at, contains one of Jesus' most famous quotes. And he said it directly to our old friend, Simon Peter. In verse 41, he says, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That was weak. <laughs> but the, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, strong. Well done. Um, it's, it's something that you might say to a friend who invites you to run up Mount Lofty with them or invites you to go watch their kid play footy on a Saturday morning. Um, it's, we use it as an apology, as an excuse, an explanation. Oh, I'd love to stand in the cold rain and watch a bunch of kids murder a footy, but my flesh, my flesh is telling me I need to stay in bed. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, there's a whole lot more to it than just an excuse. Jesus' words say so much more, um, so let's unpack it. First of all, we rewind a bit. Um, we're going to see how willing Peter seems to be. Um, verse 30. And when they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, 
you will all fall away from me because of me this night. For it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. I will never fall away. Classic Peter just contradicting what Jesus has just said. Um, and that's not only is that what he's done, but he's also thrown his friends under the bus <laughs> to advance his case. <laughs> they all might fall away. I will never fall away. It's not very delicate, Peter, um, but very human. Because I think we all consider ourselves a little more capable than others who might have fallen away. I can see why it would happen to them. I will never fall away. And it sounds ridiculous coming out of Peter's mouth at that moment, right? But I think we should reflect on how ridiculous that thought sounds knocking around in our heads. I will never fall away. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I was thinking about it. It's, it's like the optimist's theme song. <laughs> like, I am an optimist. I'm a people pleaser. So if someone asks me for help or to do something, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. This is going to be great. And if someone else asks me a thing, let's do this. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I can help you over here. I can do this. The Spirit is really willing. But very soon I realize that I've stacked up all these things and my flesh is way too weak to go through with it. <laughs> Anyone else get that kind of feeling? Yeah. We overload ourselves. We're quick to delude ourselves that we have what it takes, even when our track record says we probably don't. And Jesus knew that Peter didn't have what it takes. Verse 34, And Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him, to Peter, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Like, Peter, still wanting to get the last word in. <laughs> even if I must die, I will not deny you. Peter's spirit seems incredibly willing, hey? But we're going to see just how weak his flesh is. Um, before we get too tough on poor Peter, I think it's good to get a sense of the week that he's just had. He's just had right? It's been a big week. <laughs> it starts with Jesus and the disciples and Peter amongst them heading into Jerusalem and there's this sense of impending danger. Something big is going to happen, right? That's, that's a big thing to try and deal with. And then Jesus asks him to steal a donkey, you have got that hanging over your head. And then being in the thick of, of like this ticker tape parade kind of situation of Palm Sunday, of the triumphant entry, all these people cheering for Jesus, that kind of stuff is going to have you buzzing for days, right? And then you're in Jerusalem in Holy Week. It's a festival week. There's all kinds of things going on. There's people everywhere. The place is alive, I go to the royal show for three hours and I'm exhausted. And he's been in this situation for a, like a whole week. 
And then he sees Jesus shutting down the temple and all that means, and whoa! And then the whole week, day after day, seeing the authorities just pointing the finger at Jesus and, and grilling him on all kinds of things, that's going to set you on edge. And he spent this strange afternoon with Jesus outside on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is talking about all the things that are to come, the end of times how all those things would set your mind racing, right? This is all the stuff Peter's had to deal with in a week. You can imagine Peter and the rest of them are just desperately hanging out for the Sabbath (laughs) just to get some rest. Instead, we meet them here on Thursday night and they're heading out to Gethsemane with a couple of swords and it's dark And Judas is missing. He's been on edge for so long. Peter must be feeling exhausted. And it's late and it's dark and, well, this is a quiet place. Verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Watch with me. That's an astonishing thing, hey? To think that the Son of God, in his heaviest moment, he's asked three average fishermen to be his comfort and his company. Keep watch. The Greek word for this, keep watch, is Gregorio. Gregorio, be gregarious, be full of life, be, be active, give strict attention to what's happening, be cautious. It's like when the puppy is inside, we need to keep watch. Gregorio, otherwise something bad might happen and it's probably going to happen to the new rug. Keep watch. Gregorio. And keep watch is not just a call to Peter and the disciples, it's a call to us. Paul says in Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. Gregorio, same thing, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. But it's not long before sleepy Pete and his friends nod off. The flesh is too weak to stay awake. Verse 40 And Jesus came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're too weak to stay awake. I mean, on our own, we don't have the strength to keep going. We don't have the strength to stay awake. These are moments where we need to lean into God to crash into Him. We rely on our own weakness. But that's not the only sign of weakness that Peter is showing. Verse 42. Again, for the second time, Jesus went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, 
he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to his disciples and he said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Peter, Peter's fallen asleep. And now he is woken up by Jesus' disappointment. Three times. Mark says that Peter and the others are so embarrassed at this point that they don't even have words to say, which is something really new for Peter. So what do you do when you know that you've dropped the ball like that? You overcompensate. Peter overcompensates. He throws himself out there. So Judas comes with the mob, and Judas comes to Jesus, and Judas kisses Jesus, and then the mob grabs hold of Jesus. And then verse 51, and behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. John's telling us that this is Peter. He's been caught out three times having weak flesh. And he's saying, no more, I'm in, I'm in, I've got this. Peter's going to save the day. And Peter is willing to put his flesh on the line. In the heat of the moment, he was up for the fight. And so he takes out his sword and chops off the servant's ear. And (laughs) that was really helpful. And then Jesus shuts it down. He heals the man's ear. He tells Peter to put the sword away. And then he tells everyone off. And here's something that's puzzled me about this moment. Here's Peter. He's attacked one of the mob. And somehow he got away with it. How did he do that? The most obvious explanation is that the one who was in control the whole time didn't allow it to happen he didn't let peter get taken so here's peter trying to rescue jesus ah! and failing miserably and meanwhile jesus rescued peter in that moment we're no better than peter in the heat of the moment we throw all our energy into challenges trying to rescue others ourselves trying to save the day we all know people in a world of anguish and hurt and so our compassionate hearts go out to them right and we pour our energy and our emotions into trying to save them from a train wreck and that's a beautiful beautiful willingness of spirit right there but often it's like swimming out to try and save a drowning person you get to them and they grab hold of you and you both go down. We're too weak to save the day or to save ourselves. Too weak to stay awake, too weak to save the day, but the weakness runs deeper still. Our flesh is too weak to truly understand what's going on. 
And we see it in Peter over and over. He shows his ignorance. Like he's talking back to Jesus, telling Jesus off, and really not realizing how dark this night was about to get. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times before the night was out. And I think Peter came up with a pretty clever solution. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Maybe Peter just thought that, oh, if I just sleep, I can't deny Jesus. Then <laughs> the crow wakes me up, and, or the, the rooster crows and wakes me up, and we're all good, right? If I'm asleep, I can't cause any problems. It's true for me, except for the snoring thing. Last night, I was, um, I was dreaming that I was playing footy, and I was in the goal square. Someone was tackling me, but I managed to get the ball onto my left, my weaker foot, my left foot, and got it away. I'm like, yeah! And then I hear this, ow! And <laughs> I kicked Claire. And that wasn't the only bad thing. I'd snored, I'd kicked her. Earlier on in the evening, I'd stolen the hot water bottle from her. <laughs> Even when I'm sleeping, I'm causing damage. <laughs> and Peter's got the same kind of plans. It's not going to work. Maybe Peter's thinking, well, Jesus is about to overthrow the Roman Empire, right? And start a revolution. Well, we need a good sleep. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. Like you can always imagine Peter in his classic rebuking Jesus' usual way, saying, oh, Jesus, let's get some sleep. You need to be fresh-faced for the revolution tomorrow. Um, totally didn't understand. But Jesus understood what the true battle was, what the gravity of the situation was, and how often we have the wrong idea of what is truly needed. We have all kinds of clever ideas about what needs to be done when things get tricky. I'm so quick to just fire up the old brain, try to troubleshoot the problem. But the problem is I'm relying on my flesh, my weak flesh. I'm thinking in the flesh, and I'm totally ignorant to the true darkness of the problem. Like so many times I've, in ministry, I've seen terrible problems. So how do we do? How do we fix this? What, are, what can we do about this? How can I save the day here? I'm racking my brains for ideas and trying to do stuff. And It's not until the perspective of years you look back on a situation like this and me trying in my flesh trying to solve this little problem realize that I didn't see all this stuff around it. And there was no way I could save the day there because there was no way I understood what was going on and there was no way I had the capacity to fix what's going on. In the flesh, we're too weak to really understand. We're too weak to stay awake. We're too weak to save the day. We're too weak to even really understand what's going on. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. Triply. Week, three times over a week. So, what can we do? What we need to do is look to Jesus, let Jesus be the star here. And I get that our sermon series is focused on Simon Peter, and we learn 
lots from examining him because we see ourselves in Peter, right? But let's not miss the main point. If all we did was focus on Peter, it would be like watching Happy Days and just focusing on Potsy Webber. Great singer, but he's not the star. We need to focus on Jesus. This is his story. And Peter's just part of the support cast. And he's not doing a very good job of supporting it at the moment. So focus on Jesus. First up, we need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ experienced weak flesh. Completely God, also completely human. He fell asleep in a boat, in a storm, when his friends needed him. He got thirsty. He got hungry. No figs on the tree. He had limited resources in the flesh. Jesus Christ knows what it is to have weak flesh. That's amazing, right? He understands. But then Christ did extraordinary things in the flesh too. You remember like 40 days fasting in the wilderness, that's hard enough, but then being tempted by the devil, and yet he remained strong. How did he do that? How did he do that? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And with the willing help of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, did amazing things in the flesh. And we see it here in the passage. Jesus Christ stayed awake. While everyone else was dropping off, Jesus Christ stayed awake. Verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus Christ stayed awake and fell flat on his face before God praying to God the Father. And he poured out his heart to God the Father. He didn't lean into sleep. He leaned into God. He sought comfort in God the Father. He found clarity in God the Father. He says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, there is clarity. Not my will, but as you will. He surrendered his will to God the Father. Three times he did this. And for at least an hour, Jesus Christ stayed awake, stayed watchful, and prayed. So then when the mob came, Jesus Christ stood firm. And when they dragged him through the courts, Jesus Christ stood firm. And when he went to the cross, Jesus Christ stood firm. The disciples didn't stay firm, they fell asleep. And they didn't stay awake, and so they scattered when the shepherd was struck. Peter denied Jesus. They all fled. But Jesus Christ stayed awake and watchful and continued steadfastly in prayer. And that made all the difference that night and beyond. Jesus Christ stayed awake. Jesus Christ saved the day. Verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Unless I drink it, drink it. He's talking about a cup that he needs to drink. What is the cup he's talking about? This cup is mentioned 
multiple times in the Old Testament. Um, Psalm 75 is a psalm about the justice of God, that he is a good judge and that he judges rightly and that he doesn't let sin go. He doesn't just ignore it, but he brings justice. Psalm 75, 8 says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. It was the cup of God's wrath, and it's stored up for all the sins of all the people. Every sin that we've ever done, that has ever been done. And justice says that we should drink the cup of that wrath. We deserve it, down to the dregs. So here's the thing about that cup. Jesus took it instead. When he died on the cross, Jesus took the cup of God's wrath himself, the cup that we deserved. Charles Spurgeon describes it like this. The whole, the whole of the punishment of his people was distilled into one cup, and no mortal lip might give it so much as a solitary sip. And when Christ put it to his own lips, it was so bitter, he well nigh spurned it. Let this cup pass from me. But his love for his people was so strong that he took the cup in both hands. And at one tremendous draft of love, he drank damnation dry. Amen? And now, we who are weak in the flesh do not need to drink this cup. We are saved from judgment. We are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved from the darkest night and we didn't know how dark it was. Thank God Jesus Christ understood. Instead, we who surrender to Jesus, who fall flat on our faces before Jesus Christ, we get to drink the sweet wine of the new covenant with him forever. That's way better. Jesus Christ saved the day. He gave his own flesh to save the day. And then number three, Jesus Christ really understands how weak and feeble we are, how spiritually lacking we are. No matter how willing our spirits might be, even if all the others... Jesus Christ understood what needed to be done. My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. We use Jesus' proverb, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, as an excuse. But Jesus says it as an incentive. He says, I know, I know you're weak, so pray. Because you can now and because you need to. And the Holy Spirit is willing to help us in our weak flesh. Romans 8.4 says that as believers in Christ, we now walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And let His willing Spirit strengthen our weak flesh, rising up on wings like eagles, not in our own strength or cleverness, not in our flesh, but in the Holy Spirit's power. 
Jesus Christ really understands what we need. And if we ask, he will give us understanding that will transform the way we look at every dark night and every sunny day and every moment in between. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray that we may not enter temptation. Let's own up to him that we're too weak to do it ourselves. And let's throw ourselves on Jesus Christ, who does stay awake, who has saved the day, and who does truly understand. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour, we need you. We are weak in our flesh. Despite that, we still try to do things in our own strength, in our weak flesh. And right now, we admit and we are sorry for doing that. We need your willing Holy Spirit to empower us to face whatever dark night we are facing right now, to face whatever sunny day is ahead of us, that we would always keep watch and continue steadfastly in prayer because you, you understand and you have sent your Holy Spirit to equip us for every one of these moments. We need you. In Jesus' name.